So I want to start out by asking this question today. Have you ever met anybody that thought that everybody else was their problem? They never took responsibility. They always blamed everybody else. Have I ever been that person? Have you ever been that person? There's a story I've heard recently of a man who was trying to convince his wife she had a hearing problem. And she's trying to, he's trying to explain it to her. She's not getting it. So he goes to the doctor and he says, how do I explain to my wife that she has a hearing problem? He said, here's what you do. Next time you come home, just walk into the front door and you yell, what's for dinner, honey? And if she doesn't answer, you go to the living room and you yell, what's for dinner? If she still doesn't answer, you go into the kitchen and you say it again. And if she doesn't answer, you get right up next to her ear and you say, what's for dinner? And then you'll be able to convince her that she's got a hearing problem. And so he does it. He's excited. He goes home, and he walks in the front door, and he yells pretty loud, what's for dinner? Nothing. So he walks in the living room. What's for dinner? Nothing. So he's kind of smiling at this point because he knows he's got her, right? So he walks in the kitchen. What's for dinner? She doesn't answer. She's got her, her back turned to him. She doesn't flinch. So he walks right up behind her, right in her ear, and he says, what's for dinner? She turns around with this angry look on her face, and she looks at him. She says, for the fourth time, I said spaghetti. (laughs) Now, so often we think that the issues are all about everybody else. We keep pointing at other people, and we forget that it might be us. And this may be an issue that I have, that you have, maybe we all have, or the issue that the older brother had in the parable that Jesus told. So we are in part two of this series that we're calling On Mission. And what we're doing is we're studying the parable of the two sons. Now, you might know it as the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. And, but through this series, we're going to study the three main characters of this parable, the lost son, the older brother, as well as the father. And so last week, we talked about the lost son, okay? And we all admitted that we've all run from God. We've all done something wrong at some point. And sometimes we honestly take too long to come back home. And so we, we run because sometimes we think that God is just restrictive. He's a killjoy. And, uh, and also, the thing is, is, sin is fun for Tom. But eventually, we get to a place like the lost son did, where uh, all of our wrongdoing, all of our sin, catches up with us. And we know from Scripture that God actually wants us to be convicted of that sin or that wrongdoing. But he doesn't want us to feel shame to, because then we don't want to come back home. So the father in the parable, he didn't give the village a chance to shame his son with the traditional ceremony that would actually do that. Instead, he ran to him, he kissed him, and he threw a party. And we find out that God doesn't see you as broken, okay? After you run from him, he doesn't see you as broken, he sees you as loved and welcomes you home. Now, that was part one last week. If you didn't get that, then you can... Go back and pick it up on our YouTube page or our website, okay? But today, I want to unpack a little bit the older brother, okay? There were two sons in the story, not just one. 
And I want to back up to the original reason why Jesus was even telling this parable in the first place as, just as a context, okay? Luke 15, 1, the context of this parable is that the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. They liked Jesus. And Jesus, his life was actually on mission, and his mission was not to come for those who had it all together. He actually came for those of us that need help. In fact, there was another time when Jesus found one of these tax collectors, and he walks up to him and he says, follow me and be one of my disciples. And so this tax collector, his name was Levi, he got up and he actually left everything to follow Jesus. And so Jesus says, let's have a party and let's have it at your house. So he invited all of his friends. They were all sinners and tax collectors. So there Jesus is with all of these sinners and tax collectors. And the religious people come and they go, why are you eating with these tax collectors and these sinners? And Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous or the people who think they have it all together. I came for sinners. To call them to a right relationship with God. An accepting, loving father. So back to this, the parable, all the, all the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there. And, and these same religious people are still mad because he's hanging around with sinners. They muttered. They complained, and they said, this man welcomes sinners, and he even eats with them. And so the parable we're going to talk about is in the context of where the Pharisees and the scribes saw themselves as keeping the commandments, serving God. They, uh, had, you know, all the, you know, they had all this religious stuff, and they were mad at Jesus because he offered sinners the opportunity for repentance. And he spent time with, us, with them. And so Jesus then tells three parables. The first one, we're not going to go into the first two, but it was the first one was about a shepherd. He has 100 sheep. He loses one. And he says, hey, that shepherd would go out and find the one. He would leave the 91 and he would find the one. And he brings him back. And so the Pharisees and the religious people would be like, yep, yeah, we, we understand that. That's good, Jesus. And then he tells the second one. And it's about a lady who's lost a coin. She has 10 silver coins. And she loses one. So the first was 1%. Now it's 10%. And she searches until she finds it. And she, then she calls her friends and neighbors, and they all rejoice. And so the Pharisees will be like, yeah, we understand that. If we lost money, we go looking too. And then he lands the plane. Now remember, he's reprimanding the Pharisees, okay? Not the sinners. He's reprimanding the, the religious elite, the hypocrites. And a lot of times when we read this parable, we see ourselves as a lost son. Right, And sometimes we are. But the actual purpose of this parable was not to teach anybody about the lost son. It was actually to reprimand these religious people about their view of the lost son. Because, see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they, they wouldn't identify with the prodigal because they kept all the laws. They did all the right stuff as far as actions go. They viewed themselves as the perfect Son. So who were they in the story? They were the older brother, and that was the point. You see, Jesus was explaining to them, there are actually two ways to get lost. Number one, you can get lost running from God, and that was the story of the younger son, right, the prodigal. But I want to tell you that if that is your only takeaway of this parable, we have missed the very point that Jesus was trying to make. So many times when we read this parable, we focus on that last son. 
But the actual point of why Jesus even told this story in the first place is in the second part of the, of the story to talk about the older brother. And that's what we want to talk about today. I want to I show you today that the older brother, he got just as lost as his younger brother did. Arguably even more so. Okay? So this is the problem, is that we can get equally lost at home with God. You're in church every weekend, you're serving, you're giving, you're reading the Bible, the one-year Bible. You're doing all the right things for God, and yet, we can still be just as lost at home. It's actually a huge risk for those of us that have followed Jesus for a long period of time. If you've been a Jesus follower for a long time, a Christian for a long time, over a period of time, we can get lost as well. And we can develop a syndrome called OBS. Now, that's different than IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, all right? That's bad, too. Don't get me wrong. But no, this is OBS, and you'll find this in different places. It's not original to me, but it actually stands for older brother syndrome, okay? OBS is when we lose our heart for people who are far from God. Did somebody check the air conditioner? I think the heater just kicked on. So... Back to the story, the, the lost son has come home, Let's, uh, they're throwing a party, it seems like everything's going great. And then at that point in the story, the midpoint of the story, in Luke 15, it says, meanwhile. That's the part of the movie where the soundtrack kind of changes and everything starts to go downhill. All right. So meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and what was he doing? He was doing all the right stuff for daddy. He was a good boy. He was the perfect son. All right. So when they came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what's going on? And he says, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he is back safe and sound. And then it says the older brother became angry. And when he, when he heard this, he got livid immediately and refused to go in. So his father goes out to plead with him. But he answered his father and he said, look, all these years... I've been slaving for you, and I've been doing all the right things. I never disobeyed any of your orders, and yet you never gave me even a little goat, much less a fatted calf, so that I could celebrate with my friends, me, my, mine, I. But then when this son of yours, he's not even my brother anymore, he's your son, who has squandered your property with prostitutes. When he comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? You throw a party? And then the father says, my son. Now, the Greek word here for my son, it is the most endearing word that a father could use for a son. He says, very gently, he says, my son, you have always been with me. And everything I have is yours. See, because he had already split up everything. He gave a third to the younger brother, double portion to the older brother. And he said, I already gave you everything. You've got everything. But you have me. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. So as we look at this passage of scripture, you know, and look at the older brother, I think it reveals some signs that we could possibly develop if we have an attitude of OBS, older brother syndrome. 
And look, one of the ways that we know this is because we have lost our heart for people who are far from God. Everything else is more important. The mission of the church is that we would reach out to lost people. The same mission that Jesus had, the same mission that he passed down to us. When other things, anything gets in front of that, we have OBS. We get to a point where the party has to always be about us, right? Because we think that the kingdom of God is all about us and our authority and our healing. But there's a reason for all that. There's, it's a means to an end. Do you know there were two, there were two that were very angry that the, that the younger brother came home? It was the older brother and it was the fatty calf. Sometimes we gloss over the significance of the father killing the fatted calf. Now, in Jesus' day, this would have been huge. Because here where we are, you know, this would be kind of like us renting out Angus Barn. And not just a table, but the entire restaurant and inviting the entire neighborhood, all your family, all your friends. And having the greatest steak dinner you've ever had. Just to celebrate the greatest event in your life so far. That's what this would have been like. And so in this greatest party that this family has ever had, this brother refuses to go because it wasn't centered on him and what he thought he deserved. How many of your parents ever gone to a birthday party before and, you know, you, you know it's not your kid's birthday party, it's somebody else's birthday parties, but, but then you see some kid in the corner pouting because it's not their birthday and they're not getting any presents, Right? Aren't you glad that as we grow up, as adults, we just outgrow that attitude? We're so mature now, right? No, we have a tendency to make everything about us, and especially in church. There's a term that we have in our culture where we make things all about us to an extreme. It's called narcissism. And narcissists... Technically, they they have this inflated image of themselves, and it becomes so big that everything has to be about them. And there there are some telltale signs of narcissism that we know just from research. And one of the signs is that you are constantly bragging about your past. Anybody know that person? Don't don't point or anything. Just I did. I went here. I met that person. I've got that person's cell phone number. I, you know, I did this, I did that. It's narcissism. Because they always got to bring up how they are so awesome and what they've done and direct attention toward them and what they do. And you see how that happened with the older brother because he, he says, Dad, look at all these things I've done in my past. I've been so good. I've done all the right stuff. Another sign of narcissism is when you point out the sins of others when you can never look in the mirror at yourself. The older brother did this, right? He points out, he squandered all your money. You know, he had prostitutes, dad. What we learn from this story is that God did not design our lives to be about us. See, that's where we get it wrong. In fact, did you know that the church is actually not designed to be about church people? So many times, that's what we think, right? It's that country club. And not the hospital. I think we have something nowadays, especially in the church world, I think we have church narcissists. This is people that demand that the church do my thing. You should teach on my, the things I think you should teach on. You should do my programs. 
you'll hear somebody say something like this. Well, I don't like that music. That's never happened here or anything, but maybe in other churches. I think the church should be, the, the music at the church should be more what I want. Isn't it interesting in the story, the older brother heard the music being played for the younger brother and he got mad. What if a church designed its music to actually be appealing to younger brothers wanting to come home? Would the older brothers get mad? Or, all right, how about this? Well, they don't offer my favorite ministry, my favorite program. When I was in this church, they did this, and so I'm leaving because you're not going to do it. Or, this is my seat. I sit in this seat every single week. (laughs) There was a pastor in L.A. that I I remember hearing a story that a newcomer came in and sat down in a seat. And then uh, an oldcomer came, and that was their seat. And they were giving them a hard time trying to get them to move out of their seat. And this pastor, he found out what was going on, and he he asked the newcomer, would you please stand up for just a moment? So they stood up. He picked up the chair. He handed it to this person, and he said, fine, this is your chair. Take it and leave. I like that guy. Because this person forgot what church was for in the first place. The church is not for us. Those of us that have been Christians Jesus followers for a long time. You know, it's like, Micah, we need to go deeper. I love it when you go deeper in the word. You should do that more. Well, maybe you should start a a meetup and teach that. No, no, I don't want to do that. I want you to do it. I need more meat. I need to go deeper. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Can I ask a question? What age group says feed me the most? All right, I'm sorry. I'm being mean now. (laughs) Forgive me. But I am actually in good company. Because Hebrews chapter 5 says this. In fact, you, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You've been Christians so long that now you should be teaching other people. It was like, well, maybe God just kind of wants to rattle their cage a little bit and realize that the church is not designed to just be about me. It's not designed just to be about you. It's designed to primarily be about people who do not know Jesus. That's what this parable is all about. The religious people giving Jesus a hard time about reaching out to sinners. Back to the story. The older brother became angry. You should watch anger in your life. Angry, anger reveals something about you. And another sign about OBS is that you get easily angered when life doesn't go your way. You think God owes you. Now, this is a little bit tricky, okay? Hang in there with me. The older brother gets really angry with the, when the father starts giving things to the younger son, even though he lived this prodigal lifestyle, right? And the older brother, what he begins to think is, I've done all the right things. And dad, you owe me. And this sneaks up on us, okay? What happens is that we think that sometimes if we do all the right things, if we pray all the right prayers, if we, speak, if we speak the word just right, that our life should be sterile and easy, and God should constantly just give us good things so that there are no, never hiccups. But Jesus said the storms would come. So when the storms come, we get mad at God. And then we start looking at other people that live what we think are sinful lives, prodigal lives. Have you ever pointed to somebody else and said, why do good things happen to them? And look at all the bad things that they're doing. 
and then look at my life. See, we have to be incredibly careful because what that can reveal about our heart is that we are following God for the wrong reasons. We're actually following God more for what he can give us versus what he has given us. That love and that grace, salvation that he's already given to us. And here is the big takeaway today. Here's what I want you to understand today is that we've got to follow Jesus more for what he has given us than what he will do for us. Let's say that again. We have to be Jesus followers, not for what he has already done in our lives or more for what he has already done in our lives than for the promises of God that we want to receive. In other words, we love and we follow God based upon his salvation and his grace, not based upon his provision. Now, all the promises of God, the Bible says are yes and amen, and you should expect all of those promises protection and abundance and healing and and boldness and to walk in authority and yet when we focus more on what we can get from God as opposed to what he has done for us and therefore what he will do for others at that point we end up with OBS older brother syndrome because we have forgotten our true mission See, when you first become a follower of Jesus, man, it is very easy just to be in love with God because you're very close to the grace that he's given us. He's forgiven us in our past. But the longer that we, we stay a Jesus follower, sometimes we stop forgetting, we stop th- remembering the grace and we start thinking about all the things that God needs to give us because we, because we deserve it or because we performed and I think in this story, sometimes the, the, I think the older brother is looking at dad and going, are you going to give me what you gave him? I mean, you took him to Angus Barn. You haven't even taken me to Taco Bell. <laughs> this can leak into our heart, and it's a sign that we can become an older brother. One of the hardest things in our lives as long-term Jesus followers is to stop being the younger son, but never turn into the older brother. Because the longer that we're followers of Christ, the easier it is to look at other people and think, oh yeah, they're the problem. Let's continue. Verse 29. He answers his father and says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed you. Now that would be a lie in and of itself, right? You can't tell me, how's he gone his whole life and never disobeyed his father? All right? But it's all about somebody else. Even though I've never disobeyed you, you have never even given me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. And, and then he goes and he points his finger at his brother. And he says, but when this son of yours, he won't even call him his own brother. That's how angry and disturbed that he is. That's how angry that he has become. This son of yours, he's not even my brother anymore. He squandered all of your property with prostitutes. And he, then he comes home and you kill the fatted calf for him? Isn't it easy to point at other people and totally miss what's going on in their lives? Mark Twain said it this way. A clear conscience is a clear sign of a bad memory. (laughs) I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, those who do not think about their own sins make up for it by thinking incessantly about the sins of others. 
wow, that, that kind of stings a little bit. How many times do we fall into that trap? Look at what they did, because that makes me feel better about myself. Well, at least I'm not like them. At least I don't believe that. We tend to look at what we think are the big sins of others, and when we make our sins small. Well, yeah, sure, I'm jealous. Well, yeah, that's small. But Or I think too highly of myself. You know, I've got some pride issues, but, I mean, don't we all? Yeah, I've had some lustful thoughts, you know, but it's not as bad as them. They had an affair. It's self-righteousness. And if we're not careful, the longer that we remain Christians, Jesus followers, the more we are susceptible to this. There's an old saying, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. In other words, we all, myself, you, we're all only at the foot of the cross because of Jesus, his grace, and his love. And the moment that we start pointing out somebody else's sin or look at what somebody else needs to do different, how somebody else needs to think differently, that is when we stop looking to Jesus and letting him reveal things in our own life that we need to work on. It's OBS. See, if you don't see your need for love and forgiveness and grace every single day, as much as everybody else around you, you have older brother syndrome. I have older brother syndrome. And the more we allow God to use us to sacrifice our own lives and the things that we've got going on, to reach out and to help other people find him, then we are on mission. But when we lose sight of our mission, you see, your mission before you came a Jesus follower was just to find Jesus. That was your mission. But then as a Jesus follower, your number one mission is to reach out into hurting and, uh, hurting and dying world and to share what he has done with you. Look for opportunities to share his life, his love, and his church. We have a meetup leader in our church that knows exactly what it's like to have people reach into his life and share Jesus. Check this out. My name is Jason Kea. I grew up a Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I got in trouble in the military, and I was sent to prison for uh, 18 months. I got to a point in my life where I was like, you know what, um, I'm either going to kill myself or, God, you're going to have to show me the truth of who you are because I can't live like this anymore. I said, if you're Muslim, I'll be a Muslim. If you're a mouse on the ground, you, I, I will, I'll worship you. Sure enough, as soon as um, I had prayed that in that cell, Days later, boom, this one came talking about Jesus. Boom, this one, this one, this one, this one. And it was always Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, what the heck? So I knew it was God because he was the only one in that room, in that jail cell with me. And so um, in the prison, I went to a Pentecostal church. I had never seen so much joy in my life. Like in a Catholic church, we're like, we, you can't say anything. And when I went to this church, they were jumping around, dancing. They were all singing on them. I'm like, I didn't know what to do with myself. But there was something special about that, and I was so attracted to it. So three weeks later, I was um, in my jail cell, and I was crying and crying and crying. And I think at that time, I realized my family was my God, because it was really hard for me to leave Catholicism to come to this Pentecostal movement that I was looking at. But I knew that God had showed me that this was the way. To being born again was the way. I was crying and I said, Lord, I receive you into my heart as my personal savior. And that's when I became born again. A couple weeks later, I was walking in the prison. I looked up and there was a light and the light came into me. 
and it was the most powerful, amazing feeling of love I've ever felt in my entire life. It was so strong that I almost fell to the ground. I could hardly stand. And I kept thinking to myself at that moment, if someone had a gun to my head and they shot me, I would tell them, I love you. That's how strong this love was. From that moment on, everything just changed. And you know, I went through my ups and downs, but I had never been more free in my life than when I went to prison. I had to go to prison to be set free. And that's why no one could ever tell me that there's a different way or a different truth. No, 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 God showed me himself. So now I know that I know that I know that he is Jesus as Lord. My friends, this is our mission, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to make sure that we are not distracted by all the things that the Father has given us. And we have to make sure that we keep our eyes on mission. And that is to reach those in our lives that are far from it. To reach the lost sons. Now in two weeks is Easter. And I'm telling you that Easter is the easiest time to invite somebody to hear the message of Jesus. The whole theme of Easter is hope. And we are going to present hope to people this Easter. And I'm going to present it in such a compelling and loving way that they will, they will not be able to escape it. That the Father is waiting for them with arms open wide. So on your seat, you've got two cards there. And uh, one is a prayer card. And we got, I got, we got 100 or more of this last week of these. But this is where you list in two places the people that you're praying for. Just the people that the Holy Spirit has brought to your, to your mind. Even as we're talking, a coworker, a schoolmate, a teammate, a neighbor, a family member, whoever it is, that those people that God brings to your remembrance, write their names down at the top and then underneath the preparation, tear it off and put the bottom part in the offering bucket on your way out and so that we can pray with you. We want to pray with you. We got a ton of cards last week. We've been praying over those and we're just going to continue to pray for those. And then that other piece is an invitation. Okay, to the whole Easter weekend, right? Invite them to the Easter event that's on Saturday. It's not just for children. We're going to have food and a lot of stuff for adults as well. And so we're just going to be able to relax, hang out, get to know each other. It'll be a lot of fun. And then also get to know all those new people that are coming in. Then on Easter Sunday, look, there's nothing more fulfilling than sitting next to somebody that you know needs hope and listening to the gospel being presented to them in a way that they can understand it and accept. We refuse to be an older brother church. Is that right? And we will always be a place where we want to reach out to younger brothers who need to be welcomed home to the arms of a loving father. And that is the only way that the world we live in is going to change. We have to be this way. We have to. We cannot be the older brother. I like to say it like this, is that God is actually distracted by what's lost. Did you know that? I think that's the way I am. You know, we're, we're distracted by what's lost. If I can't find my phone, you know, I'm distracted by that. I'm looking under couch cushions and retracing my steps. I, I don't, I'm not, it's not like I walk in and go, well, can't find my phone, but I got my couch. No, I'm distracted 
I don't care about what I've got found. I'm distracted. It's not that I don't care about it. I, I like to sit on my couch. But it's the one sheep out of the 99, the one coin out of the 10, the one brother out of the two. God is distracted by that which is lost. And it's Jesus' mission. When he came to earth, he was on mission to seek and save the lost. And when he left here, he turned that mission over to us. And he said, go into all the world and make disciples. There are plenty of lost people. And your mission, my mission, is to reach out to them and help them come home to the Father. You see, this is why we have the Holy Spirit in us. Is that he could give us boldness. That he would give us power to be his witnesses. To shine as a light into the world. Until those that are far from him know exactly how much that he loves them. And as the lost brother that, that the father is, is waiting for to open wide. So today, my prayer, and I hope your prayer is, is that the Holy Spirit would actually empower us and fill us and empower us that we could be a light to the world because that is when we are on mission. Come on, stand with me and let's worship together.